body. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. A very warm welcome to our regular listeners and those who are new to Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday monthly at 1pm Eastern Time, 6pm UK Time and 10am Pacific Time. Aetherius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. As always, be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on other planets, and much, much more. Today, on Aetherius Radio Live, your hosts, Richard Lawrence, and Chrissy Blaze will be talking on a fascinating subject. What happened to Armageddon? So, it's my great pleasure to hand over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Hello, everybody. Hello, Richard. Oh, we look so much. We might have a slight problem. Yeah, yeah. He's on there. Hold on. Uh, Chrissy, you just carry on, and I'll try and get hold of him. Hello? Okay. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you so much for coming back again this month to listen to this radio show. And the subject today is what happened to Armageddon. The ring again, I think. Hello, oh, Richard. Richard. Hello. We can hear uh, can you Can you hear me? Like you- Oh, we are okay. There was you now. Oh, good. That's so good. Well, thank you. I was saying thank you, Chrissy, and hello. Thank you, Nikki, and hello, Chrissy. I was just saying. Hello, Richard. We had that slight technical hitch for a minute, so. Ah, uh, we uh, must be doing a program that tracks interference, then. Yes, it must be an important one. I was just mentioning. Armageddon. Um, yes, exactly. I was mentioning last month's show and thank people mm. for coming back again because. Last month's show, Our Master, The Next Master, Man for Man, was a very good um, lead-in, if you like, to this this show. And from the last show, you could see that great changes, um, the great changes that were supposed to take place uh, because of the intervention of our master and the adepts didn't quite, Mm -hmm. affected the future of our planet in a certain way, and they didn't take place as they, they should have done. So things that were prophesied, um, by many different religions that you talked about last month are not actually happening as predicted. And so if people didn't hear that show, I highly recommend it. It's a very, very fascinating show. Yes, and thank you for all those who commented and, and, and wrote to us, and, and we do appreciate that. There's been a lot of interest in it. It's a vast topic. It's a deep topic. And uh, please do you know, pick us up if we're going too far, especially me, if I if I don't explain fully every step of the way, because there's so much information in all this. And as you say, Chrissy, they, they are linked. We're on a kind of a theme here, which we started some months ago, really, uh, of the great change that's upon us, the changing of certain prophecies, and, and the great difference has been made by the mission of Dr. George King and the mission, and we're going to talk about more today, the mission of the three adepts, Absolutely. Now, the three adepts, perhaps you would kindly explain, Richard, very, very briefly, because I know that we talked about it in depth before, but if there's a new listener, um, who exactly they were? Mm. I mean, the first thing I would say is that um, just before we leave the topic of the next master, one statement that Dr. King made absolutely emphatically in one of his lectures, actually it was a lecture given in London, you, you may have been at it, Chrissy called The Next Master is Coming. Right, uh, it was yes, just I before I heard about the society. I think it may have been 1971. But he made this statement. He said, had the next master come to earth with Satan, as you call him, 
in his position, the position he'd held up to a few years ago, so that was in 71, so he was referring to the position he was in in the 1960s, Satan, that is, then this master, that's the next master, would have had to come into direct conflict with him. So, just to, to, to recap on a few points, people will remember that the initiation of Earth on July the 8th, 1964, which must have been in the, an ancient, part of an ancient plan, uh, very ancient because it was delayed, could have even happened in the time of Atlantis or following the fall of Atlantis, um, if not before, um, then that would have been known about. But also that event, and that's what we're going to focus on today, triggered other events. And the first event that it triggered was a mission called the Alien Mission, which we've spoken about on Ethereum Radio Live before. Because yes. not only did certain masters know and detect the change that had started to come to this planet from July the 8th, 1964, which we regard as the holiest day. It's the holiest day in our calendar. And members of the society study a book called The Day the Gods Came, which Dr. King described as the greatest of all our books, all the books that we've published. But it triggered the movement also of dark forces. And the first of these was an alien android, uh, which had been placed in our lower astral realms. The lower astral realms, or hells, are the lowest um, mind realms, or astral realms, I should say, around this planet with the the most depraved, wicked, uh, involved, just use a politer word, uh, beings from this world, and that's saying a lot, makes the evil we see on this plane mild by comparison, if that, if that can be believed. Um, they, there was an alien android planted by a race from beyond this galaxy. So that event, namely the initiation of Earth, triggered the movement of this alien android and it started to move and a, the great conflict known as the alien mission took place. And we don't know what would have happened had the three adepts or the five adepts as they later became not been on Earth. It seems that it would have been the next master that would have dealt with it or maybe there would have been some outside cosmic intervention to help us because this intelligence wasn't from this Earth. That we don't really know. But once that was defeated in the alien mission, then Satan, or the, some call it the devil, or whatever you like to call it, the darkest, the most powerful evil intelligence um, from humanity in the lower realms, started to move. And the way was cleared, you might say, by the removal of this alien android. And that certainly would have been a battle, which is referred to in one particular prophetic book uh, called the Book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, the last chapter in the Bible, um, as Armageddon. Actually, as a matter of fact, Armageddon describes, I don't know if anyone's read the Book of Revelation who's listening to this. I hadn't read it until about a couple of weeks ago, and I read it in its entirety. It's not very long, actually. Um, it's a, a highly, um, I would say, excuse my words here, if some people may not like them, but I, I found it quite confused. Uh, very, very difficult to interpret because there are, there are multiple interpretations given of it. But when you strip all that away, the detail away, what it's describing is a very simple thing and, and ties into some of the other prophecies we've talked about, namely a dire catastrophic period at the end, at the final days of our world, um, which would include natural disasters, uh, flooding, earthquakes, uh, all kinds of horrific descriptions, but also include a battle between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And that, as we've been told by Dr. King, would have had to, would have had to be dealt with by the next master, which is a follow-on from last month. Uh, he yeah. had greater powers than the combined materialistic might of all the armies on Earth. I would take it. That includes 
all the realms of Earth, um, and he would have dealt with it. It would have possibly happened uh, on this realm, this physical realm. I say possibly. Um, we don't know, but that could have certainly occurred. That might have even been the wish of Satan, who wanted to move through the realms, not just battle it out in the lower realms. And this is the scenario, which much prophesied scenario, um, which was going to come. The big change, though, is we talked last month about Dr. King being here, man for man. Now we're looking at the existence on earth of the three adepts. And so rather than this being tackled by the next master, which would have been more of a, an outside intervention, and the big point that we tried to stress last month was that although Dr. King was without the powers on this physical world, by his own standards anyway, he had something else, which was karmic power. So that when he climbed the holy mountains, this enabled them to be charged, and so many other things that he did, because he was limited, because he was in an ordinary earth physical body. This intervention could take place. This wouldn't have applied in the same way had it been the next master at all. Um, the next master could have easily dealt with it, but it would have had to be dealt, well, I say easily, could certainly have dealt with it, uh, but it would have had to have been dealt with in a totally different way. Now, in this case, it was dealt with by the three adepts, and later, actually, by the time of this occurrence, it was the five adepts, and ultimately, we'll explain all this, the six adepts, and so... This is what happened, to answer the question of our program tonight, to Armageddon. Well, thank you for giving that overview, Richard. I know some people are very um, befuddled when we talk about all the action that was taking place on the, the lower realms. It's hard for mm. them to believe. But I was mm. thinking the other day, I mean, of all the wars and so on, even I read that in World War II alone, 58 million people were killed and it was supposed really? to be the war to end all wars. So, you know, just have to imagine um, our bloody history and all the, that, the terrible energy. Where does it go? Of course, it, it mm. goes, it feeds the great, uh, the magicians, if you like, on the lower realms and all the evil mm -hmm. ones. And, um, and the three adepts, as you say, they, they had to work there. They, they worked in this place which most people don't even know exists. Um, exactly. It's very, very real. I think that's true, and I, I think it is difficult to believe. And if somebody just came along and told me this, and they, you know, I'd certainly question it, and I wouldn't blame anyone for questioning it at all. And I, I would only say, look at the whole claim of, of the Ethereum Society and of Dr. George King, and judge it in the light of the whole. But also, there's a fact that that spiritually minded people have tended to avoid talking about the dark side. There are exceptions. Yeah. I do think Dante is an exception um, with his Inferno. Uh, in fact, yeah. Dr. King said in his description is nowhere near the real truth of, of what they're like. But at least he tried to, to talk about it, and he tried to engender, I believe, some compassion for those people in those realms, rather than just saying, well, they've gone, they're judged, that's them, they can burn forever, type of thing. Um, but that's very rare, though. On the whole, these things aren't discussed, other than to induce fear, to try and keep people, on. you might say, on the straight or narrow, or you might say, under the control of a particular church. But Chrissy, I've got something talking about the church, a couple of interesting things, before we move on completely from the next master right. one is the uh -huh. prophecies I just throw this out for the interest I, I can't confirm this at all uh, as being absolutely true but for the interest of our listeners we try to come up with some interesting things for them there are some prophecies by somebody called St Malachi St Malachi was the Archbishop of Armagh which is in Ireland uh, almost a thousand years ago and he made some prophecies, and these were, it is said anyway, hidden in the Vatican for 400 years and then released. Um, and what his prophecies were about the next, the popes to come after him. And he listed each one of them, and he gave clues to their identities, very, very br brief clues. 
And he listed 109 popes, I believe I'm right in saying, from medieval times to the present time. And some of them are absurdly accurate. Like there was one, for example, the 244th pope, he called the rake. And it turned out that that pope, the 244th pope, was Innocent Twelfth, whose family name was Rastrello, which is the Italian for rake. And there's another one, I think, which was, he, he said was the son of a cobbler, I think he said. And, and indeed, that particular pope that he, he, he identified was the son of a cobbler. Some of them are much more obscure than that. But interestingly, what I wanted to point out, that by his numbering, we are on now the final 109th pope. Um, now, because of all the changes that we talked about last month, I think whatever he did prophesy, even if it was true, would have been thrown absolutely up in the air by now. But what is interesting in, is that he prophesied this 109th Pope to be someone called Peter the Roman. And people who interpret it try and find a way of saying it's Francis. But it could be, I only say this, it could be a reference to St. Peter himself returning at the time of tribulation and it was and it was described as a time of persecution the final persecution through many tribulations during which the city of seven hills will be destroyed that's roman and he says the, the judge will judge his people and that is going to be the end so it's interesting it's another prophecy we can take it or leave it which refers to this very time we're in now would have been the period we're in now and possibly it was seen then, anyway, that it would be St. Peter. Well, that's very interesting. It's also interesting that it was hidden for 400 years by the Vatican. So they revealed. say. So they say. So they say. But mm. it hasn't really, I mean, hit the news as I think it should, because it's really quite fantastic, isn't it? It um, is, you, but the news has got hmm. important things to cover, like, you know, what celebrity is going out with whom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you think the Vatican will release reveal more and more in this time of revelation the Aquarian age it would be nice to think so but I, I also nice. do it would be nice but I also think that so much has changed now by the advent of Dr. King and the advent of the Ethereum Society which is now so active and so effect powerful from a karmic and spiritual point of view that whatever the role would have been of the Vatican has mm. changed it's uh, to be honest it's it still matters but it's not what it was so although of course everything in the fullness of time must change and turn back to the light um i think things are you know the priorities are different now and the focus is different now but but i do have another really interesting um thing to a little prophecy not little actually a prophecy that our listeners won't have heard ever before and it's very, very interesting indeed, I think. And this is a prophecy um, which was made just under a month before Dr. King received his initial command, as we call it, from the Master Etherius. It was made really? on April the 11th, 1954. And I deliberately haven't told you much about it, Chrissy, because I want you to hear it as well and react on behalf of our listeners uh, to this, I, I was uh, well in in researching the biography. I came across this, and it's so apposite and so relevant, and relevant to what we're talking about tonight. So this is a, a communication that Dr. King received. So just to explain this to people, prior to the command, prior to Dr. King's mission as primary terrestrial mental channel, the voice of the cosmic masters, he was already a medium, and he had a small healing circle. Uh, and, and sometimes he would enter trance and receive various communications. They might be from Sir James Young Simpson. They might be from, say, the Master Chiang Fu, um, who's a Tibetan adept. On this occasion, the identity of the, the communicator is not revealed, which is interesting in itself. And I'd like to read to you um, some of the words of that communication on April the 11th, 1954, in Dr. King's very small, you wouldn't even call it an apartment, it was a bedsit really, in Maida Vale. Um, people can go there and see, see this property, it's there, uh, we have the address and everything. 
Um, and he received this in the presence of at least one other, and I believe there are others must have come along because they're referred to, but not many. It was a very small circle. Um, and these are the some of the words that were spoken, so I'm now reading from it. The whole world is in a very sad state. I can see beyond the very distant horizon the dark clouds that rise from the fires of the man-made hate spore upon this little earth. Each one of you will be asked to do utmost to help to stop this. The time is coming when this world will see a new kind of battle. Not new, but new in your lifetime. Never before in the history of this planet have the dark forces and the light forces so come down to earth. Everything that happens in heaven has its reflection on earth. The dark will come to grips with the light. There will be a spiritual battle the greatest spiritual battle that the earth has ever seen. The plans are in the making now, and they will be put into operation before long. Now that, wow, Chrissy, that was, that, I know. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that was like preparing our master, perhaps, for what was to it, come. Um, indeed. Um, and, and I think it ties up to his mission as well, because it shows that even before the command, he was, he was part and he was here for a great spiritual battle between the forces of dark and the forces of light, which was to come. To play doesn't describe what part he would play in it, but that he would have a part to play in it. And of course, the interesting statement, the plans are in the making now and they will be put into operation before long. This was a month before the command when he was called to his mission. Yeah, that's amazing. And when you think about the history of our world, never before in the history has anything like this happened. That's quite something. That's true. Would, that would is. have happened. You know, would have happened. Indeed. Um, it's quite something, really. I'm the, sure it's... Yeah, go on. Sorry. The man-made hate spore, I think, were some of the words. I mean... Yes, man-made hate spore. It does it all, doesn't it? It does. And I so. think that is, uh, um, you know, uh, definitely must be a reference to the, the battle, the alien mission and the op and Operation Carmelite, because these are the greatest battles, the worst battles between forces of darkness and light that have ever been fought on this planet. Yes, um, and I'll just give you one more little extract from it because it's so interesting. Uh, and this, these are, this is so people are wondering where I get this from. These are from some minutes. Uh, of Dr. King's healing circle that were written up. I don't know that it was ever recorded, this message. It may have been handwritten, possibly by a lady called Mrs. Darcy, and we have the handwritten, not in Dr. King's handwriting, the handwritten notes of what he was the channel for. Later in the message, it says this, the time is short come when the bugles of declaration must be blown, the time is short come when some of the shrouds of secrecy must be lifted. You will help to lift. You will help to blow the bugles, and you might suffer as a result, but you will take little notice of this. There are those who will try to interfere, interfere, such as many around us are doing now, with the work. Strength will be given to you so that their interference will be like this shrimp attacking the crab. Before the moon gets round into the same place that it is today, Many of you will be richer in wisdom. Now, that was April the 11th, and May the 8th, which is when the command happened, of course, is less than four weeks away. So it's a very, it's 27 days, actually. So it's a very interesting was, um, reference, that. Yeah, it really hit me when you said, you will suffer, but you'll take little notice of that. That sort of yeah. sums our master up, doesn't it? Very much so. That's, but the, lo the wow. lunar calendar, of course, is 28 days. So it's, it's exactly right. It's before the moon reaches mm. the same place. It's 27. Oh, and another interesting thing is, interesting word, the bugles of declaration. And yes. declaration's an interesting word when you think it was the command. It's like oh, a yes, declaration. Yes. Yeah. Really, so yes. I thought I'd throw that in. But certainly it's also, a, a, well, another prophecy of this battle that we're talking about tonight really absolutely wow that's amazing that all the great ones are aware of what's going on and work together and um, I'm sure there were many reasons for this being given just before the Indeed. command but 
Indeed. So very, very let's, interesting indeed. So thank you so, for sharing that on there, Richard. Oh no, absolutely. I thought it'd be interesting. We we try to give our our listeners something really unique that they've never heard before, and um, as well as much that they some have heard before, and throw more light on it. And of course, we could say that was um, a scoop, then, couldn't we? That was a scoop <laughs> yes. for a serious radio live. <laughs> yes, um, I think it's it's it is very interesting though that. Um, what happened was, of course, that rather than the next master tackling these battles, it was done by the three, later the five, later the six adepts when they were supplemented by two others, and then, of course, the Lord Babaji, which made it the six adepts. Um, this changed many things. One thing it changed is that the adepts fought these battles and wished to fight these battles in the lower astral realms and not allow them to reach this realm, or indeed realms above this realm, which could so easily have happened, would have happened actually, without the adepts. So that people sort of sleep comfortably in their beds, you know, on this realm, or maybe uncomfortably in their beds, but whatever. They don't know and have not seen these battles. They were they were contained in the lower astral realms and they were contained by the Adept. I think it would be good, Chrissy, perhaps to refer to this, the three sabers are here, the book, the transmission by the Master Jesus, which describes how they did this. The one beginning many centuries ago. Yeah. I have that. Mm-hmm. Master Jesus. Many centuries ago, the wise ones looked into time and there they saw apparently inevitable results brought about by the fall of man. They conferred together, allowing the shining oil of sweet compassion to imbue their negotiations. They took into consideration the deep karmic implications of what was to come. Then turned they to three devoted beings and asked of these to give up the bliss of their advanced initiatory status and take gross bodies bound by karma, held by the limitations of man, and come and live and breathe and eat and pray and suffer among ye. Thank you very much. So there, I think, is our key. Um, Obviously, the wise ones, who are indeed the hierarchical lords of the solar system, this means they are either solar lords from the sun, in other words, or if they're not from the sun, they are reporting directly and working directly with the solar lords, because these are the higher, highest masters in the solar system. They could see what would happen, how this battle would go, and how disastrous it would be for nearly everyone on Earth. And they looked into time. Now, I think perhaps it would be worth just saying something about that looking into time. Because I was this is say not. That, Richard, because, yeah. Oh, no, please um, do. Sorry. Yes, thank you. Because you've given some wonderful prophecies in St. Malachi, mm. and there's people like Nostradamus who are great prophets. But this mm. is something different, isn't it, Richard? It's very, very different. Look into time, very different. So very different. I'm sure the listeners would like to hear how, what this means exactly. Yes, I mean, this is above prophecy, way above prophecy. Um, this is not prophecy. It's, it's far more advanced than that. This is, I think Dodderkin calls it something like tantamount to time travel. It's looking into what will happen, as it's described there, apparently inevitable results. Um, and the, what would have happened would have been the Armageddon. The, prophet, the prophets may have touched on some of what would have happened, including the Mayan prophets and so many other sources from all over the world, Hindus and America. and all. We talked about this last time. But yes. they saw it as it will happen. And they were able to bring a change. Now, just before we leave the prophets and the book of Revelation, um, I would say a couple of things about that. Because the Master Jesus, in his transmission, The Three Saviors Are Here, which, by the way, is a book that I strongly recommend to our listeners if you don't already have it. Uh, It's an outstanding transmission, in fact, two transmissions, one of the greatest transmissions by St. Guling that he ever delivered, I think, Chrissy, don't you? I do, yes. As well as Master Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. 
But but just before he does, the Master Jesus does reference Armageddon in there as a term. And I think that's interesting because it could be a nod, at least in the direction of this book, which, let me just say, by the way, was not delivered to the St. John of the Twelve Disciples. It's a totally different, it's pretty well known to be a very different St. John. Uh, one who lived on, it is said, the Isle of Patmos at the time, in in the Greek islands. And it was transmitted, it is said, by, and this I find interesting, the Master Jesus threw an angel to St. John. That, no, really? I mean, that may be a bit obscure for some, you know, some people may find that rather uninteresting. But to me, that's very, very interesting because what, how I would see that, if you took it as being true, is that St. John, and I give him full respect here, but this is my interpretation, wouldn't have been able to receive it directly from the Master Jesus. That it was necessary for it to be delivered via possibly a higher realm source, which is called an angel in this context, to St. John, which is a way that I've always thought the Twelve Blessings might have been delivered had our Master not taken it himself in the way that he did, which was, was vastly superior to what would have right. happened. That's, mm. very so that's one little yeah. interesting point. And the other thing I'd say is that there's one thing that has said in, in, in this, we, we're not really talking about the book of Revelation, but it is made very clear in it, and if you can take it as true, uh, I don't know, but if you can, that very few would survive Armageddon and, and, the, and the disasters and the conflagration of forces that would have taken place. There's a symbolic number given, I take it as symbolic, of 144,000 people who would actually inherit the, as it were, the, the heaven on earth that would follow this. So that again is a massive change brought about by the intervention of the adepts. I know, Richard. Some people believe that figure literally. Um, yes, they do. Yes. But um, obviously, as you say, it's um, just a symbolic figure. I would think. I would say it must be. I mean, I, I, somebody, one of these door-to-door missionaries knocked on my door not too long ago who believes every word of the Bible literally and I did ask this person you know well in your movement are there more than 144,000 people which there are and I asked them which ones wouldn't be inheriting the, the glorious new age and he said well he's going to go and check that fact and come back and let me know but I never saw him again but, I, you know, these are symbolic figures, I'm sure, because it's 12 times 12, and a 1,000 is symbolic of a great number, I think. But nevertheless, yeah. the point is made that it would have been very, very few. However, coming back to um, what really matters, which is that these wise ones, these hierarchical lords, they weren't looking at prophecies like that. They were looking at what actually is. And there's an interesting sort of passage, isn't there, Chrissy, that Dr. King writes about this when he does his commentary, which I don't know whether you, you'd be kind enough to share with us. Um, you know, about the now? Yes, I'm, I'm just getting that to that page in the, this wonderful mm. book. Um, Dr. King says, it would appear from a preliminary examination of the text that the wise ones were able to ascertain exactly those things which had already happened and yet could be altered because of the time level of their point of reference in comparison with the time level of the point of reference of the happening. In other words, we could possibly describe it thus. Everything is happening in the now. In the now, the particle has been set forth and in the now, the particle has passed through hundreds of millions of lives of experience, through tens of thousands of experience cycles in different universal classrooms, and in the now, the particle is returning, or, truer still, has returned to the source. Yeah, that's a very deep, very mystical contemplation 
about time, really. And it, this is something of which Dr. King was an expert. And the now, I think one can only conclude, is a holy state. It's a, it's a, a holy being, virtually. And in that state, uh, being in the now, anyway, being a state, you, you, you are above all time. So the past, the present, and the future are all there. And um, yeah. I've often uh, you know, looked at you, you, those who are familiar with the 12 blessings will see a lot of reference to the now, and they'll see uh, reference to the Master Jesus blessing in the now and sometimes by now. And the, Dr. King has explained this as saying in the now is the now which is all time and a beyond time. And by now is, is referring to the time we're in. So by now, by this time, in other words. But it, I would just throw out, in a very humble way, as a thought, an additional possible meaning of by now, which is that now is a holy, a virtual expression of divinity. And so that when in the Master Jesus says, in the now and by now, blessing someone in the now and by now, He's blessing them in the now and by now, by that holy force, which is the now. Yes, that's uh, very, very interesting indeed. But I, I must I add, that's just my opinion, and, and don't take it as fact. <laughs> I just throw it out for people's consideration as another possible meaning. And I believe in the twelfth blessing, it, it refers to the timelessness of now. Am I mm -hmm. correct here? Yeah, I'm sure so, you are. The blessing to the absolute. So that sort of ties in with that somehow. I think that's quite a Indeed, yes. very interesting thought. Yes, definitely. Yes. Well, I've just realized, Chrissy, we're well over our halfway mark and we're going to be in trouble with Nikki unless we let her oh. come in with her very important announcements. Well, we don't want to be in trouble with Nikki. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just so fascinated by what you two are talking about. It is amazing and thank you so much Richard and Chrissy for this incredible first half of the show you are listening to a series radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze talking about what happened to Armageddon as mentioned uh, Operation Carmelite uh, on Sunday February the 24th this year sees the actual 50th anniversary of the completion of this all-important mission, which will be commemorated by Aetherius Society centres worldwide on that day. So please visit aetherius.org for more details. A reminder also that 2019 commemorates the centennial year of the birth of Dr. George King. So again, visit Aetherius.org for more details of the fascinating program of events and together with the all-important launch of his much-awaited biography. We will also be pleased to hear that the new 2019 program of events at the Aetherius Temple in London is now available online. So do peruse that at your leisure. Every Saturday and Sunday, you're always welcome to join us in the live online 12 Blessings services. And to find out more, please visit 12blessings.org, and that's 12 in digits. On Friday, February 22nd at 7.30 p.m., there will be a lecture by Chrissy Blaze entitled Spiritual Master for the Aquarian Age, held at the Michigan Branch, Royal Oak. For more details regarding this and other activities there, please visit ethereusmi.org. Our listeners in Africa, especially Ghana and Nigeria, will be pleased to hear that Sunday, March the 10th, sees the inauguration and blessing of the newly built Ethereus Temple in Accra, Ghana. So for more details, please contact our Accra branch, whose details are on ethereus.org. The next Aetherius Radio Live show will be on March 19th, entitled Spiritual Master for the Aquarian Age, when Chrissy will be interviewed by Zasha Brazili, administrator of the Aetherius Temple in London. Again, please visit Aetherius.org for full details of everything that is mentioned in this show. So that's it for now. So let's get back to our hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. 
Thank, Thank you, you Nikki. Nikki. A lot There's of a lot it. I must on. say there is, and I must say the inauguration of this temple in, in Ghana is a big, big highlight of our centenary year. Very, very important event, and it's a, they've done a fantastic job on the building there. Uh, saw some photographs uh, yesterday, absolutely looking marvellous. And uh, it's going to be, it's so important to us, Africa, in the Ethereum Society. Yes. And, and I want to send that message out to all our Ethereum Radio Live listeners in Africa. It, it's always been, and, and it was taken in very much in, uh, to heart by our master, by Dr. George King himself, the importance of our members, our sympathizers, those who, who join our many activities and our many branches and groups uh, in Africa. And in Ghana, of course, this, this new temple in Accra is going to be magnificent and it will be opened. There will be a, a holy cross inaugurated there and people are coming. We have directors coming from L.A., from London and many others coming and flying in for that major event. Thank you, Rich. I'd like to add my congratulations. And I have to say that over the years when I've met uh, our members from Africa, and spoken to them and communicated with them. They've always been, and this is from the heart, a great source of inspiration to me personally. They really have fantastic people. I quite agree. I mean, I, I have the privilege of, of um, and have done actually for decades, four decades it'll be this year, goodness, as secretary oh. here, um, of, of you know having them in our jurisdiction. In the, it's, I would say it's a European and African jurisdiction, really. We call it European, but it's European and African jurisdiction of the society, and, uh, and parts of Asia too, by the way. And the, the members, that some of the reports we get back of what they do um, is quite stunning. I mean, we have, we have members who wouldn't think twice about doing 21 12 blessing services a week that either by attending them or doing them at home during a spiritual push and they do this regularly yeah they're they're very very dedicated wonderful wonderful members coming back then to whatever happened to armageddon which was basically let's face it it was up became operation carmelite which as nikki said there is we're in the 50th anniversary uh, this week of, yes. of the completion, the successful completion of Operation Carmelite when the adepts did successfully transmute Satan and bring this battle to a successful conclusion without it uh, coming, taking place on the physical realm. An incredible achievement, I mean, uh, which we can't really appreciate or fully understand, but which has changed the course of history. Absolutely. So we're carrying on then with this extract you kindly read earlier about the wise ones looking to time and seeing apparently inevitable results brought about by the fall of man. And uh, this intervention by the hierarchical lords who were effectively time travel travelers. But they can't just intervene. Uh, They have to operate strictly, of course, according to karma which is above time. So if karmic factors are changed, then time and the time order, if you like, is changed. It's a lesser thing, the, the, the time succession as we know time, and so an outcome can also be changed. It's a very deep philosophy and one which we could take up the whole program. But there's a beautiful statement, Chrissy, which you might want to, to comment on, which comes next, which is, they, the wise ones, they confer together, allowing the shining oil of sweet compassion to imbue their negotiations. Yes, that's, that's so beautiful, as is all, all the transmissions from the Master Jesus. He puts things so poetically and mm. in such a way that it makes it very visual. So you can understand it. He sort of raises you up through the words, the shining oil of sweet compassion. And of course, the Master Jesus being the avatar of love, truly understood and understands the need for compassion. And one of his transmissions, Richard, which you know, he says, uh, science without love is like the soulless wanderer in the realms of night. In fact, love is the mm-hmm. shining oil that should be in all our negotiations, in all our dealings with people, in, in all our science, in everything we do. And I have a theory about that, which I'm going to talk about in next month's show and my lecture, too, about um, 
from an astrological perspective about because the master Jesus came at the beginning of the age of Pisces and in astrology the ages go backwards through the zodiac which meant that he was the beginning of a 25,000 year cycle and I was thinking about what did he bring to this age which will continue and I I think um, it was this understanding this new a perception of love and what it truly is. And of course, our mm-hmm. master added to that through um, his teachings and through the nine freedoms and so on. But th- this is a theory I have about that. So it, this is such an important thing that they conferred together, allowing this compassion to imbue the negotiations. Indeed. And moving on, then it goes on, they took into consideration the deep karmic implications of what was to come. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, a lord like this, uh, great beings can't just act out of compassion. Uh, they can't be whimsical. It's not like you know we, we get reports of the Greek gods or the Egyptian gods who are almost like full of human frailty and whim. Uh, they have to act strictly in accordance with the law of karma. I remember a, a quote, Chrissy, from a, 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 a seminar called, which was called The Watcher in the Night, actually, for those who are familiar with it, but whether they are or not. The, the point that Dr. King made was, and I'll never forget it, he said, there is compassion in the law, but not too much, because that would be unfair, which is kind of a bit shocking to some, maybe, uh, who have this idea of just forgive everything, but it's, it would be unfair, he said. And of course, it wouldn't work. The purpose of karma isn't to punish anyway. The purpose of karma is to teach. And if you took, if you had too much compassion, that purpose, that necessity of experience, would be robbed from its expression. Because it couldn't really be a law of justice, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, without this, uh, without there being a limited amount of compassion, I suppose. And of course, our master introduced that concept, I believe. Because before, the law of karma was regarded as very exact. Well, it is exact, but, um, you know, somebody does this and this will happen. And it was inevitable. But he uh, brought into this understanding of compassion within the law. Yeah, and that wonderful word, imbued. You know, they allowed it to, the the sweet oil of compassion imbued their negotiations. I think negotiations is also a very interesting word for these wise ones. who Who were they negotiating with? some supreme karmic agency, maybe. Uh, anyway, then the, uh, the, the question, I think, gets answered in the next statement, this karmic Shall question. I read that? But, yes, please, mm. yes. Then turned they to three devoted beings and asked of these to give up the bliss of their advanced initiatory status and take gross bodies bound by karma, held by the limitations of man, and come and live and breathe and eat and pray and suffer among ye. Exactly. And I think the three key words there from the point, this point of view are bound by karma. So these three, the three adepts, they took gross bodies living among us, eating, breathing, praying, but they were bound by karma. And that really there is the karmic price. That's how the karmic price was paid. Because they were in these earth physical bodies, suffering among us, uh, they, were tran- they were actually projecting from these physical bodies and going to fight these battles or sorties, as they were often referred to, in the lower astral realms. This paid a certain karmic price. And it had to be fulfilled and that's that's it's a terrible thing really and it shows their their true greatness but what it really means is that humanity's karma to put bluntly was transmitted or transferred to them through their incarnation yeah Yeah. Mm. this was the karmic price and and of course as, as uh we have, I think, discussed before the the, the most difficult thing for them, uh, as Dr. King explained to me on more than one occasion, was the fact that they didn't have their powers. They weren't allowed their powers on the physical plane. They had certain powers, but not the true powers that these intelligences should have had. And that was a massive karmic price to pay. And yet they still did it. I mean, 
that there's a transmission by Saint Guling which really spells out well he, he says some very simple words in 1972 he says this if you want a motto which describes the adepts very well it is this service to humanity through protection and by the way we have that motto up at our adept shrines in all our temples and many of our chapels around the world and he goes on though that makes them great that makes them the greatest masters upon earth now and even through past history. Wow, that's a statement. That's an incredible statement, yeah. Um, it, you know, and if pe- people want to kind of understand why, uh, Dr. King spoke about this a bit in, in an address he delivered actually in 1967, the year when Carmelite started. He said, you know, it's one thing to have a master able to do this, that, and the other miracle. It's another thing to have a master trained in combat. They're two entirely different types of training. A miracle, so-called, is the manipulation of energies on certain levels. But to produce miracle after miracle after miracle, in your language, in combat, takes a type of mind which is extremely rare, may I repeat, a type of mind that is extremely rare, even in this system system not earth so he's saying this type of ability is very rare in the solar system gosh yes how fortunate we are we have no idea do we it's quite phenomenal and that that is a short answer to what happened to armageddon the adepts were incarnated obviously this was seen it was seen by the hierarchical lords it would have happened it was going to happen and it would have been a devastating conflict it was a devastating conflict, but it was contained in the lower astrals. It would possibly wouldn't have been. And, of course, being fought by the next master would have been much, much worse for us because he would come more as an outside intervening force. He was, isn't going to be born through the womb of, of an earth woman. He's not going to even appear to be one of us. Uh, he, and, and the consequences would have been far more dire. And all this must have been seen and it was virtually preempted. The plan was changed, and that compassion came in, and that karmic price came in, paid by the five adepts. And Saint Guling, um, he understood what was happening, obviously, uh, from his transmissions. But he also wanted us to understand. And Richard, would you mind if I read a few lines from one of my favourite transmissions by Saint Guling about Please the five do. adepts? Please do. Just a small part, and it's so beautiful. Um, while you enjoy yourself, and this is to us, while you enjoy yourself, while you dream, while you sleep in the haven of forgetfulness, while you walk, while you breathe, while you enjoy the countryside, while you explore, while you go about your everyday lives, while you kiss your children with a sweet parent's love, five beings fight for your privilege, yes, and your ability to do so. Absolutely beautiful. Lovely words. Thank you, Chrissy. I would only urge listeners, um, I'm sure many of our listeners are planning to do this anyway, but all our listeners to, whether you can attend one of our services, which would be by far the best way of doing this, but even if you can't for some reason of a physical distance or, or some other factor, to send out your thanks on the 50th anniversary of this great victory of light, uh, Operation Calm Light on February the 24th, that's this coming Sunday. Our services in the UK, as Nikki has mentioned, are being held uh, on uh, Sunday at uh, 2.15, but they'll be held at different times in different parts of the world. But do send out your personal thanks to these intelligences who came here were not recognized for the most part at all, uh, had to live with the fact that it wasn't recognized. Imagine living with a race that you'd saved, and yet most people either never heard of you, or if they had heard of you, they probably didn't believe it, certainly didn't appreciate it much. And the least that we can do now, I think, is to express that real appreciation for these saviors who, who averted or brought about a transmutation, let's say, of, of, of Satan and, and won the victory of Armageddon. 
such wonderful beings. And Richard, the next part of the transmission, I'd like to read that from the Master Jesus because it, sh it shows so much about who the three adepts are in just a few words. Mm -hmm. um, the three adepts spent no time in consideration. Their souls leapt within them, filled with compassion for a people who are helpless against the might which threatened to crush them, even as a great hammer crushes a lowly stone. And so it was they came, and throughout the years that they have been with you, they have fought your greatest and most important battles. So they spent no time in consideration. It's incredible. You know what would be wonderful, Chrissy, is if you could lead us, please, in the prayer for the, we'll say, shall we say for the six adepts, because it was made up eventually to six when it, the Lord Babaji was included, which comes at the end of this transmission. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you, Richard. So please, everybody, um, be relaxed around your neck and shoulders. Breathe deeply for a few moments, and raising the hands in the prayer mudra, the hands facing outwards, the palms facing outwards, just about shoulder height. And close your eyes and allow the power of love to flow through you through these mighty six adepts. Blessed are the six adepts. who stand between you and your spiritual defeat at this time. O divine and wondrous spirit, O everlasting Lord of supreme hosts, we pray at this time that your unquenchable light, that the power of your compassion illuminates and protects the six adepts in their greatest trials. O divine and wondrous God, may they succeed in their mission. May they save helpless humanity from the monsters which it has created. Almighty God, give us all the strength to stand unflinchingly by the side of these so that a spiritual triumph might be born upon earth. O divine Father, of all wondrous creation, we raise our minds to you now, requesting that your power may fall upon the heads and penetrate the hearts of all men, so that they may be stronger in their spiritual purpose, so that they may live and act in the light of God-knowledge forever and forever. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you very much. And I think it's over to Nikki. I don't think we can add any more to that. And thank you to all our listeners uh, at Ethereus Radio Live. And I'm sure you'll enjoy the next show with Chrissy being interviewed by Zasha. Uh, thank you very much, Richard, for some great inspiration today and that wonderful revelation that you... Uh, read to us, the transmission you read to us, uh, or the message you read to us is very wonderful. So thank you very much. And over to Nikki. Well, <clears throat> thank you both so very much, Richard and Chrissy, for yet another fascinating and insightful show and for pointing out that we have so much to be thankful for. You have been listening to a series radio live, which is your cosmic connection, the third Tuesday of each month, Please join us for the next show on March the 19th, as mentioned, when Chrissy will be interviewed by Sasha Brazili on the subject of Spiritual Master for the Aquarian Age. As always, our website, Aetherius.org, has more information and details of the various publications and audio titles available on CD or download. You can connect with Chrissy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their respective websites, chrissyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk. We hope you have enjoyed listening to Aetherius Radio Live, and we look forward very much 
to being with you next month. In the meantime, have a wonderful day.